Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. It's been said that the millennial generation is the unhappiest generation in the history of this nation and Western Europe. And the, they say the reason for it is because they don't have meaning. And when you don't have meaning, you're going to look for it and get into trouble doing it. Um, we have meaning. <clears throat> we, we have a purpose. And um, we're going to look into that as to who we are. We're going to start with who we are and where we are. So I'm going to, this message is the kingdom of heaven. So we're going to uh, read in Ephesians 1, a couple of verses, but we're going to be talking Ephesians 1, verse 1 through 14. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So, uh, first thing is that we're chosen. First of all, we're chosen. We're chosen before the foundation of the world. Whenever that is, could be 7,000 years ago, could be 13.7 million years ago. It doesn't matter to me. I don't think it makes much of a difference. I try not to get involved in those debates. But, uh, uh, but uh, it's the point is that God chose us. He chose us before the world was formed. And I think that's exciting. Um, each, each and every one of us, he chose. And... Um, uh, one of the things I wanted to point out was uh, Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Grace and peace are sort of hard to find, especially when you have Route 1, Route 18, Parkway, the Turnpike, Route 9, all coming into the same place at once. And that's grace and peace, sort of hard to find. I remember going to Newark with a missionary. He was a missionary. And... Um, he he was driving up Route One, and uh, it was it was busy. We went up to Newark to the mission, and it was busy. Just both lanes packed. Car came up behind him and started flashing us. He was in the left lane, and a car came up flashing his lights. And he said, "I was going to move over, but now I'm not." <laughs> so 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 much for uh, and. Uh, so God has given us peace and grace. That's sort of hard to, in, in this world, it's sort of hard to find. But, but God has given us that, and all we have to do is claim it because it's been given to us. Uh, that, that, that's in Ephesians 1.4. Uh, in Ephesians 1.5, we're predestined, meaning he foreknew us, he planned. He, he made plans for us. Um, we might not know what his will is in our life. But he does. Um, I don't claim to know. I just live one day at a time. I don't claim to know what the will of God is for my life. But uh, I live one day at a time. 
And uh, when, as he brings people into my sphere, I, I'm supposed to, you know, um, witness to them or give God's blessing to them or whatever. Um, so uh, that the, the will of God, if, uh, it says that if you don't know what the will of God is, be thankful in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So be thankful. If you don't know what your will is, you know, at least know that you have to be thankful. That is thankful and grateful. Um, because of what he's done for us. You're pointing the wrong way. Or... Oh, there we go. Um, he's arranged for our adoption. And we were estranged. Uh, Adam, that's Adam's fault. You can blame him. Um, we, so, so he made us, created us, and, um, and lost us. So he has arranged for our adoption. Uh, He's arranged for that, and that's up to us whether we want to accept that or not. Uh, that's in Ephesians 1.5. That's up to us. Uh, God has built free will into his creation, um, and he has to honor that. Uh, you don't need to be adopted if you don't want to be, but uh, I think it's a good idea if you did. Um, <clears throat> then he has accepted us in Ephesians 1.6. So he's adopted us, he's accepted us. I think he's accepted us and then adopted us, but uh, that's Ephesians 1.6. Then he redeemed us and forgave us in Ephesians 1.7. So, I mean, things are, really, things, things are really good, looking good for us. I mean, we're, we have a, I think we have a good, good father and a good, uh, a good brother. He's not ashamed to call us his brothers. Uh, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, Ephesians 1.9. Um, God doesn't want us living in blind faith. He wants us to, he wants us to use our reason, our logic. Um, faith is like going to the beach. You have to get in your car to get to the parking lot. You use reason, you use logic. Then you have to get out of your car to, go, to walk to the rest of the way to the beach. At some point, you have to use faith. A lot of people, they just have to have question after question after question. It's like, how many questions do you have? At some point, you just have to believe. I mean, God has given us enough, enough logic, enough reason to, for us to make a decision. It's up to us to, with, whether we want to complete that by faith. Without faith, we can't please God. God does require faith. He's not going to give us all the answers. But he has made lo- known to us a lot. Uh, a mystery in the, in the New Testament is what is revealed in the New that wasn't revealed in the Old. And there's a ton of stuff in the New Testament that they didn't know in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is like a jigsaw puzzle that you threw on the table. And the New Testament is putting the pieces together and finding pieces that you thought were missing. There's just a lot in the New Testament that that we, they didn't know in the Old Testament. Um, you'll have to read the Bible to find that out. Um, he's arranged for us to all to get together in Ephesians 1.10. So as when my mom and dad died, it was, we don't, I didn't sorrow like someone that has no hope. And it was a celebration of their life. Um, it was a wonderful time. Uh, Really, not a whole lot of tears shed. I'm not the teary kind of guy, but but uh, really, I didn't see too many people crying because everybody knew 
that we'd see him, we were going to get together again. Um, and like I say, a lot of people don't have that hope. Uh, makes you wonder how they can go through a funeral with knowing they'll never see them again. They're just animals, um, no hope, no nothing. And I think that's one, one of the difference between animals and humans. Animals don't need a reason to live. They don't need a, a, a reason uh, to exist. They just exist, and they're happily, they're happy that way. Um, I have two cats. They don't look like they need any reason to, to exist. They exist, and they're very happy. And one of them is, his reason for living is, when I read a book, he sits on it, and that's his reason for living. And, and about the time I shoo him off, he rolls over and wants his tummy rubbed. And then he starts purring, and there, that's the book. The book's gone at that point. But um, that's, that's not enough reason for us. That's, for a cat, that's fine. They, they, they live, they die, they're perfectly, perfectly happy the way they are. We're not. We need a reason to live. And um, <clears throat> gets better. Uh, we have an inheritance. What is our inheritance? Our inheritance is eternal life. A body like Jesus did, according to Philippians 3, 2021, a resurrected body, supernatural body. Um, we have an inheritance you don't earn, although we do have rewards for, for our works, what we did and what we, what we didn't do. Uh, our inheritance is because we are part of the family of God. And... Uh, and that is, although there, there's an overlap between rewards and inheritance, but an inheritance is because you're part of the royal family of God. And you will, we have salvation, we have, uh, we have uh, in, uh, heaven, we have eternity with him. Um, we have, we become a royal priesthood because we're part of a royal, he is the king, uh, high priest. He's the king of kings, so we belong to a royal family, uh, which is sort of odd because kings and priests weren't supposed to. That, that were, those were two roles you weren't supposed to. The same person wasn't supposed to have, but we do because he's the king of kings and the, he's, the, he's the high priest, and, um, and that's the role we'll fill in the millennial. Um, he sealed us. Seal is a contract. So he's, he told us we have an inheritance, but then he goes and seals it. When Caesar sealed the tomb, it was not to be broken, and archaeological evidence suggests that Caesar knew that something had happened to Christ's tomb because he made, put something in stone to be put over a public building saying anyone who, who, who messes with or corrupts the tomb like they did it for Christo shall be put to death. Apparently, it made a big there was a big to-do about it. Caesar found out that his seal had been broken. Uh, it was reported. And um, so he, he made an edict that people just don't mess around with other people's tombs, especially if it's going to cause those kind of problems. So, um, so he sealed us, and then he made a down, an earnest, which is a down payment. That's a legal term. So uh, he sealed us, and then he, in good faith, he, he gave us a, uh, a down payment, which is the Holy Spirit. Um, that's Ephesians 1.14. 
we have full rights and privileges of a royal family, and that's Ephesians 1.14. Um, resurrected body, uh, that's the same, same body that Jesus had in Philippians. And um, so um, we're not angels. We're not, we're not going to be angels. But um, Jesus said we're going to be like angels, but angels are messengers. That's all they are. People that worship angels and stuff like that, or they have no clue. Um, angels are just told, do, do what they're told. Um, they're messengers, very powerful. We're going to be like the angels in that we're going to have the same kind of body as they do, but we're part of a royal priesthood, royal um, sons, sons and daughters of a, of a royal family of God, God himself. So... Um, um, <clears throat> Verse 15, I didn't put up there. We have a, we're, we're a purchased possession. He, he made us, lost us, and then he purchased us, uh, purchased us again. Um, so the next question is, knowing all that, they're, they're, uh, who are we? There's uh, Christ on the cross. Um, if you get a chance... Um, Barry Schwartz back in the 70s um, was part of a, he's Jewish was part of a legal, or part of a research team, he was a, he was a technical photographer, he's kind of photographer that photographs the science experiments and engineering projects and stuff he was asked to join a team to research the Shroud of Turin and uh, he said, why would, I'm Jewish, I, why would I get involved in something like that? And I said, well, because you're a technical photographer and we need technical photographer. He, he, he's interested because he, a couple of decades after that, he didn't, he, he was convinced after that that it was Christ. It was, it was Jesus. They, they all were. And... Um, He's going around the country now, or he was. I don't know if he's still alive, but he has his own uh, website on that. And uh, he, he, a couple of decades after that, he, a Christian brother went up to him and said, well, I, we now know where the Shroud of Turin came from. It was uh, Leonardo da Vinci painted it. And he said, that is amazing because it went into the public Viewing a hundred years before he was born, I knew he was good, but I didn't think he was that good. So that he he started um, touring the country because he was so convinced. It's uh, it's really interesting. Uh, he said there's nothing. Uh, the people that researched it said there's nothing like it. It's not a fake. They don't know how it was done. It might not be Jesus. They're pretty convinced it is. The point is not whether it's Jesus or not. The point is that whoever this guy in the shroud is suffered horribly. It's beyond description what this person on the shroud, this man in the shroud, suffered. That's probably the most studied artifact in the history of Christianity. And um, it's just sort of interesting knowing they, they know they know so much about it now. They have the blood samples and uh, the carbon-14 dating is sort of incomplete, inconclusive because it's been handled so much. So it's it didn't just, just curious, just for your own. Um, but um, Jesus told Caesar, I'm not, I'm not of this kingdom, I'm of another kingdom. And that sort of scared 
scare the, him because um, him and Caesar didn't get along. Caesar had basically told him that unless he straightened out, unless he got his stuff together, he, he was not going to be governor of, of Judea much longer. So he, it, it wasn't, he, he knew it wasn't beyond Caesar to send him a relative and see what he would do with him, and he was afraid to crucify him for that reason. Um, and plus, you needed a good reason. If you're going to crucify somebody, you've got to have a good reason. Um, like, what did he do? Uh, you needed, I mean, he just didn't spear him or cut his head off like he did John the Baptist. I mean, to really crucify somebody, you really need to know what he did. I mean, and of course, he realized it was through jealousy, and he didn't really want to crucify. They didn't mind killing him, but crucifying him was not really not in his cards. So, um, it's just interesting how much, that's what struck me, is how much this person, and it, it's this person in the shroud died by crucifixion. Um, and it's just the, the amount of agony he went through is beyond, beyond words. So just for, that was just throw it, throw it out there. <clears throat> uh, what kingdom do we belong to? There's three kingdoms mentioned in the Bible. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, and uh, kingdom of this world. Satan is the ruler of the kingdom of this world. Uh, kingdom of God is mentioned in all four Gospels. Um, the kingdom of heaven is only ma- uh, mentioned in Matthew. Uh, you won't see the term kingdom of heaven in, at least in the New King James Version. Um, you won't see the kingdom of heaven mentioned in Mark, Luke, or John. It's always the kingdom of God. There's a I don't. I haven't read anything of why that is, but I have my suspicion. If if you were a pagan and Mark was written to Roman and Greek, um, Luke was written to everybody, John was written to everybody. If you were a pagan and someone mentioned the kingdom of heaven, if you were a woman, you would see Zeus, Zeus, Zeus. Uh, he's the ruler of the. He's on. Mount Olympus, and he's rolling across the heavens in his chariot and a team of horses, and man, what a guy. Um, If you were a man, you would think of lovely, oversexed Diana falling out of heaven. She was, uh, and at that point, you might as well send everybody home because nobody's going to pay remember anything you said after that. So uh, that's my suspicion. Might be wrong about that. but Matthew uses the term kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. I'm not sure it's interchangeable or there is a difference. I think there is a difference. Um, but the Jewish people knew better. They, were, um, they might have been hypocrites, the Jewish leadership, but they might have been hypocrites, but they knew the Bible. They memorized the Bible. They knew what the Bible said. You could use the kingdom of heaven on them and... They wouldn't think of Zeus or Diana or anything like that. Diana was supposed to come from Jupiter. And uh, it makes me wonder if anybody realized that 20,000 miles an hour would take her three and a half years to get here. But besides that, um, so um, uh, like I say, I'm not sure exactly. I haven't read anything about that. But I know if I was a pagan, I would think of Diana. And if I didn't know the Bible, I'd think of Diana falling from heaven. And um, being a woman, maybe you'd think of Zeus. I don't know. But uh, I'm just telling you what I would think. But uh, 
uh, kingdom of heaven. Here's a sort of a diagram, um, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus uses the both terms when he says it's difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of, of heaven. And in the next sentence, he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and to enter the kingdom of God. He uses Whether he uses the term interchangeably or he's got difference in mind, I don't know. But um, the kingdom of, uh, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of earth, and the reason I have a line connecting the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth is because God is still in control. And at any time, he could take over. The reason he doesn't is because people are still getting saved. People, especially in other parts of the world, or, or people are coming to know Christ uh, by the handful every day. Um, and um, we'll find out why he doesn't take full control. Um, he explains that. Um, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. If In my Father's house there are many mansions. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again. So uh, Jesus went up to heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, said, I have to leave so the Comforter can come. So Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit is our lifeline, is our link. Um, he... He is our link with heaven right now. And, of course, the next question is, well, how is, why is Jesus in heaven? How, are, how is he going to come into my heart? Well, that's, that, you might want to ask the pastor that, that question. Um, he's, but Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And we're also, Ephesians says, we're sitting in the heavenlies with him. So he can also explain that. I mean, it's, we're... we're uh, but basically, my point is, Jesus is sitting in the right hand of the Father. He is preparing a place for us. Um, and we're on earth, and the Holy Spirit is our seal. He is our link. And Jesus at one point said, said that um, you can blaspheme me, and, I'll, and you can be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven. And... The Holy Spirit is easily offended, very powerful. You don't want to offend the Holy Spirit. Um, but I think there's more to it than that. Um, the Holy Spirit is our link, just like this deep-sea diver. The Holy Spirit is our link. Through that, through that line is coming air and communication through that divers. He has to be really careful it doesn't come unplugged or it, or it doesn't get caught in a cliff or or an outcrop or something. He has to be, notice how he's holding on to it. He's trying to be very careful because he's probably, who knows, three, four, five hundred feet underwater. Um, his, his, he's pressurized to match the outside pressure. Um, and an, another point I thought of, too, was uh, um, someone told a diver one time, if you're in trouble, I'll just pull you right up. He said, no, don't do that. Uh, you, everybody knows what happens if you pull somebody up from four or five hundred feet deep. You pull, pull them up too fast. You get the bends. Um, some things are worse than death. That's what this diver said. Do not. You, let me die under there. Do not pull me up too fast because uh, I'd rather die than go through that. Um, so... We uh, sometimes, when we obtain salvation, 
we expect, we pull people up too fast. We expect too much. And um, I remember I had a worship leader back in the 70s who, who was a full out, her and her husband was a full out hippie. And they came to salvation and we were talking about pot. And she said that she had continued smoking pot after she was saved and the Holy Spirit finally convicted her that maybe she shouldn't be doing that. So she stopped. And I said, you mean no Christian came up to you and told you off about smoking pot? She said, no, I don't remember. I said, you're one of the lucky ones, man, because there's, a, there's all kinds of Christians around who would dream you out for that. And I'm glad they didn't. I mean, uh, she was lucky, though. She, she, the Holy Spirit was allowed to work in her life and convict her. And sometimes we expect too much from um, people obtain salvation. We, we pull them up too fast, and we lose them. Um, so, um, all right, so uh, kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God. There is a difference. Um, kingdom of, uh, and, and the physical attributes of the kingdom of heaven is they have a beginning and they have an end. The sower went out to sow. That's the beginning. Uh, the kingdom of God is forever, has been forever, will be forever. Kingdom of, kingdom of heaven has a beginning, has an end. Um, also, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven has some very nasty things going on in it, uh, which you wouldn't find the kingdom of God. You find, um, you find the rocky soil, materialistic. You find uh, the soil full of thistles and thorns, get choked out. You find Satan himself in, in the form of birds flying in and eating the seed that end up on, on the, on the uh, ground, on the road uh, you uh, so that's um, those are the si- those are the heart conditions in, in the kingdom of heaven you find all kinds of people um, you find Satan himself you, in the, the parable of the tares and wheats that's the reason why you find evil in the world because um, if, you, if you're familiar with that parable uh, an employee went out and found all kinds of weeds growing in among the grain and he said, well, let me pull the, pull the weeds out. Um, you don't want weeds. He said, don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to pull everything out and ruin the whole crop. So just leave it be. When the time is done, we'll gather them all up. We'll separate them and we'll throw the, throw the uh, weeds out. And we'll keep the, keep the harvest. So that's, that's really the reason why there's evil in this world. is because if God took full control right now, he'd, there'd be no, more harm than good. Um, uh, the mustard seed is um, is a sign of the growth of the kingdom of heaven and also you find birds in that one and every commentary without exception says the birds are not good um, so I guess I have to agree with that um, but uh, it's a tiny weeny seed grows up to be a big a big plant in, in Daniel the stone that hit the image, if you remember the image, what happened to that stone after it hit the image? Exactly. Grew big. Grew huge. So that's the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the leaven and the bread, same thing. You, it's expanding. Um, I find it interesting that the leaven and the bread I find especially intriguing because um, Einstein and his theory of relativity implied in his theory that the earth the galaxies or the 
whole universe was in motion somehow. And at that time, nobody believed that. So he fudged his equations, his physics equations, so that his theory of relativity would match what was known. He kicked himself for the rest of his life because Hubble came in the, in the uh, 1930s and said, you know those fuzzy spots up there? Those are other galaxies. And they're flying away from us. And Einstein kicked himself for the rest of his life, said it was the biggest mistake he ever made in his life because he could have been a genius twice over. Um, then, then, and then, and so then the debate was, well, is the, is the universe going fast enough to escape velocity, to continue going forever, or is it going to collapse on itself? In the 1990s, it was discovered that they're not only, the galaxies aren't flying away, they're being carried away. And they are expand, they are accelerating. And they are going to accelerate until they approach the speed of light, and then, the whole, then things start disintegrating. The universe will disintegrate. Um, a physics professor said to his physics class, I'm going to give you a, a four-year degree. You'll know a little bit about what's going on. When you get your master's, you're not, going to sure, you're not sure you know what's going on. And when you get your doctorate, you're going to have no clue. 20% um, of the universe is dark matter. Dark means physics. physicists don't have, they're smart, but they don't have imagination, so they call it dark, it means they don't know what it is, 20%. 75% is dark energy, meaning they don't know what it is. So 95% of the universe, they don't know what it is. 5% is what you see, what is physically stars and planets. So they don't have a clue. They don't, they, that's the big thing right now is, what is this energy? Where is it coming from? And what is all this stuff that we don't know what it is. So that's the big, that's their big thing right now. Hopefully they'll find an answer before I pass, because I'd really like to know. I'm sure a lot of people. Um, there, then we have the dragnet fishing. Good fish, bad fish. Keep the good fish, throw the bad ones out. Um, so uh, as, as you see, there's a, in the kingdom of God, there's a no end, no beginning, no end. Kingdom of heaven, there's a beginning and the end. Um, the end is after the millennial period, the thousand-year reign of Christ. That's when the kingdom of heaven will end and the kingdom of God will, will resume. Um, the, the other ones are just re our relationships of what God expects of us. He gives, uh, it's the nobleman who gives, goes out on a, to claim a kingdom and says, occupy till I come. Um, and he gives people ten talents, and of course you know the story there. Some people work hard, some people don't do anything. And you get the impression that, I mean, he, the nobleman is really, there's different versions of the talent story. Um, one's, one is given ten, or ten talents, one's five, one's one. There's another version that says one talent is given to everybody. There's different versions, but they're all basically the same in that there's always one person that doesn't do anything, and he gets really angry. And it's like, better you try and fail and lose it than not to have done anything. Um, the, the sheep and the goats, it's the ones that didn't do anything um, that he was angry with. 
Um, the ten virgins, five were prepared and five just were sort of careless. They weren't didn't get themselves ready and he they weren't allowed to come in. So um he, he that's that's more of a relationship. I really don't wanna get into those. I thought the physical attributes would be interesting at this point. Um Kingdom of Kingdom of Heaven is sort of like a carrier task force. It uh, left the kingdom of this is my I might if, if the this is my take on it. If the carrier task force leaves the kingdom of uh, God and parks a hundred miles offshore, um, each one of these uh, ships is sovereign U.S. territory, um, and so, so each one of those ships represents the kingdom of God. Um, we don't do a full veil, in, or the God doesn't do a full-scale invasion because it would do more harm than good. But he does make sorties in. As a saint dies, they'll go in and rescue him, and like they did Moses. Remember Satan and Satan and uh, who was it? They fought over, fought over the body of Moses. My, when my dad died, he had his eyes closed, and the moment he died, he opened his eyes and looked this way, and dead, not gone. So I don't know what he saw, but maybe it was uh, someone coming after him. Um, but uh, that's, that's uh, God is working. He's, uh, those ships around the carrier for, for protection. There's also two ships that you don't see. There's submarines. One's about five, ten miles ahead of it, listening for enemy subs, and the one's five, ten miles behind it, listening for anybody that wants to sneak up on them. Um, they can put up a wall of lead or um, nothing can get through uh, those um, to those ships. Um, but uh, the God is working. God is sending in, in aircraft. It was sort of interesting when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, um, what are you doing, Peter? I could send 12 legions of angels to rescue me. It's like, really? Uh, one angel killed 185,000 people in, in Isaiah. Um, a legion is 6,000, 6,000 soldiers. You're sending in 72,000 angels? If someone did the math on that, 72,000 angels could wipe out 13,320 people. Um, and there was only about 300 million people on the planet at the time of Christ. So... I mean, I don't know what Jesus was thinking, but it's, it's, it's sort of implied that they were pretty close by and they were ready to go. So, but they didn't, and, we, and, and we're glad they, they didn't. But they were there. They were ready. Uh, it's, uh, you know, God has, to, God has free will. Uh, he offered his free will, and he has to honor it. <clears throat> um, when I was in prison, inmates would say, "I don't think God can forgive me after what I've done." And and uh, I said, "Well, you know, unless you crucified Christ, he even forgave them. I don't know what you did, but I'm sure you didn't do that." And and then uh, one of them would say, "Well, I think I've offended the Holy Spirit." We'd get to that passage, and I said, "I've I've offended the Holy Spirit." My, I I said, "Well, first of all." It's obvious you haven't because you wouldn't be here if you did. When you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you're dead spiritually. You have no interest in spiritual things. 
So obviously, you did haven't offended the Holy Spirit. So uh, it's just something to bear in mind. Uh, what's our dress code for the kingdom of heaven? This is the wrong dress code. Um, this is the prosperity gospel. You're saved, once always saved. It's time to party, health, wealth. And um, uh, it's just time to have fun. You shouldn't have any problems in life. Uh, everything should go good. And I remember somebody telling Joni Erickson Tata that, you know, if you had enough faith, you'd be healed. And some old wise saint told her after she'd heard that a number of times, saying, you know what you should tell them? You should have someone hit them over the head with a two-by-four and say, you know, if you had enough faith, that wouldn't have hurt. And <laughs> so, but this is the wrong dress code. What is our dress code? I think Pastor Benny was what, excellent. That's our dress code. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, having done all to stand, stand, and stand some more. And um, that's our dress code right there. Um, you have to put it all on the helmet of salvation. Some people put on the helmet of salvation and forget their breastplate of righteousness. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you can live like the devil afterwards. You've got to live a righteous life. Uh, some people forget their belt. Your truth is not my truth. There's no such thing as truth. Truth is relative. That's a bunch. And I, what I say is, is that true? That's so. Uh, that's uh, and uh, and uh, what are the shoes? Of the gospel of peace. Well, if you have to stand, what good are the shoes of the gospel of peace? And well, you have to get there to stand first. You have to get to where you're going using your shoes. Um, I just uh, I remember. Um, when I was in the service, I got a pair of um, jungle boots. And they were the most comfortable shoes I ever put my foot into. But they were protected underneath because of booby traps that were set in the jungle in, in Vietnam. And they would go through your foot. Well, jungle boots, I never knew it was there until someone told me that. They were just so comfortable. I went through a couple of pairs and finally went back to northern New York. And they're totally inappropriate for northern New York in three feet of snow. Um, so I had to give them up, but uh, that's the kind of shoes you need, uh, booby traps, whatever. Um, don't forget your shield of faith. You need to have faith. Can't answer. Have all your questions answered. Not your, all your questions aren't going to be answered, uh, but uh, most of them will, but you've got to have a little bit of faith. Um, don't forget the sword of the Spirit. Uh, Jesus use that. He didn't use brute force like he probably could have. He just used the, used the sword, used the word of God. And uh, that did it. Um, and that's what we're expected to use. And when we die, then it's, our, it's time to put on our wedding garments. Um, the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and dead and Christ should rise first then we shall meet them in the air. Um, and that's when our, we are the bride of Christ. That's, that's the appropriate garments. And there's one more migration. Um, God will, God always comes to man. Man can never go to God. Uh, Revelation 21, the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. It's massive, 21, uh, 1,200 miles square. 
I don't know how it, this is a new heaven, new earth, everything's new, we're in our new bodies. Um, I don't know how something 1,200 miles square can, I don't think it lands on earth, it's probably in orbit or something, I, I have no idea. Um, but it's massive, it's what Jesus is preparing for us. Uh, a city, a beautiful city. Um, maybe it's headquarters. Um, we'll be on. We'll be on missions. We'll be representing Christ as priest and king. Um, we might be sent to the Andromeda Galaxy to quell a disturbance in the fourth sector of the Andromeda Galaxy. To which I would say that's two and a half light years away. You expect me to spend out? You forget. You're in your new body. Oh, I keep forgetting that. But anyway, um, that's our New Jerusalem. Um, and that's how the Bible ends, with the New Jerusalem coming to New Earth. And that's, that's us. Um, i just wrap up with a story, an adoption story. Um, the first half of the 1900s, um, there was a fire. And... Um, there was a, a mom, dad, and a, a kid in the house. And by the time people realized what was going on, it was fully engulfed and they couldn't get near the place. And they, they figured they were dead. Uh, they belonged to a local church. Um, the, all of a sudden, they, the little boy appeared in the attic window, uh, broke out the window, and started yelling for help. And immediately, a well-known atheist, uh, back then they didn't have sheet metal gutters, gutter downspouts. It was part of the house. And he crawled that, crawled up that and pulled the boy out and dropped with the kid on top of him. And the, the boy was in pretty good shape, but the atheist was pretty, pretty badly burned. So um, they um, were going to put the kid up for adoption to someone in the church. And the, the guy, the atheist, came out of the hospital and, and said, I, I want the boy. I want to adopt the boy. And she said, you know what? The parents would have liked him brought up as a Christian. And uh, so we'd rather he, he go to a, someone. That, he said, look at my hands. No one else did this. I did this. And, of course, what can they say? So they couldn't say much to that. So uh, he adopted the kid, figuring they'd lost the kid. Um, wasn't going to be brought up. Uh, what the atheist did believe in was a good education. So he took in the museums, and and um, they went to one museum where one of the pictures was the Christ crucified on the cross. And the kid was really interested in that picture, and and the atheist was like, you know, there's other pictures here. Uh, and he said, well, what's the story behind this? And he told him, you know, some believe that God came as man, and and died and to, in order to redeem us and forgive us of our sins and go to heaven. And um, he said, well, there's, you know, there's other paintings here. I'll tell you about the other paintings. And he said, I want to look at this one. He says, what are you interested? Why are you so interested in this? He said, look at him. Look at his hands, his, his body. Look, he looks like your body. And so the atheist looks at the picture and says, well, that's not, that's not all bad. He's thinking of me when he looks at that picture. And uh, so... Um, it was at that point that the uh, atheist, after a couple of weeks, said, you know what, maybe we should visit that church that your parents went to and maybe find out a little bit more about it. And that's how he got saved. 
So, um, so I just want to wrap up that with uh, never give up. Um, we close with a word of prayer. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you. Let it